this is a very common type of attachment that I've seen is they could be, let's say, the mother, uh, even maybe an overbearing mother that really wants to be on top of everything that you're doing. She passes into the other world and you're suddenly you're having these thoughts and these feelings that you knew that were your mother's traits. And you're like, what, what's, what's going on? Why do I suddenly care about these things? Why am I doing this? This isn't who I am normally. Well, that's because mom has attached herself to make sure that you're doing fine and that you're doing what you need to be doing according to her plan. She's still an intact soul. She's still aware and she does have your best interest at heart, but the follow through and the actions that come through are really not in your best interest. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Kadrick Olson. Are you possessed? That is the topic of this important, potent, and highly informative podcast. I chose Kedrich Olson as my partner in education, not only for this podcast, but the additional seven plus hours of the program we will offer you at the end of this podcast. Kedrich is a specialist in paranormal protection work, a Norse mystic, and spiritual guidance coach. His expertise has been showcased on Gaia TV and Coast to Coast Radio, as well as popular podcasts. Previously, Kedrich joined me on Living 4D to explore Norse mythology, the Vikings, and dialogue about his excellent book on runes. Kedrich has over 30 years' experience in these fields and is a wealth of valuable knowledge and practical information, as you are about to hear. Kedrich and I share our extensive experience working with all aspects of entity possession, what the symptoms of it are, and throughout the long version of the program we offer here, we teach you many ways to both protect yourself and heal yourself from entity possession, which is sadly much more common than most realize. In our introductory episode today, Kedrich and I will cover what are entities, internally generated entities, entities of a personal nature, ghosts, thought form entities, fairies, nature spirits, angels, spirit guides, entities from other planes of existence, and dragons. We close with my sharing my own experience working with a dragon that was given to me by a spirit guide, and we dialogue on consciousness and quantum physics. If you find the information in this podcast informative, interesting, and you'd like to learn more about entity possession, prevention, healing, and treatment options, stay tuned to the end of the podcast where we share an offer for a full download, which is almost seven hours of additional information that we share beyond this podcast. The information Kedrich and I share is highly informative with lots of practical advice anyone can use to help themselves or anyone you recognize with the symptoms of entity possession, which won't be hard to spot once you've studied the full program we offer after the podcast. I hope you enjoy this potent dialogue on entity possession with Kedrich Olson, a true expert on the theory and practical healing aspects of entity possession. Enjoy. Welcome to Living 4D. Today, I'm super excited to cover a topic very thoroughly that I have had numerous requests for, for since I started the podcast. And the title of the podcast today is, Are You Possessed? Exploring Entity Possession. My guest today, some of you may remember from the most amazing podcast with Kedrich Olson on the Norse culture, Norse tradition, and runes and uh, Kedrich's amazing book is Runes for Transformation, which is just absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. We had the greatest time. I had tons of amazing feedback. Kedrich, welcome back to Living 4D, partner. 
Hey, I'm very glad to be back. Thank you for having me. I think this is going to be a very useful and helpful topic for a lot of people, and I'm very happy to give my input on this. Well, you know, it's been interesting. I've been looking for somebody to share this with uh, for a couple of reasons. It's hard to find people with real legitimate skills in entity extraction and doing the kind of integration work that it takes to have a long-term closure of the issues that lead to entity extraction. And there is one lady that I know, but she travels all over the world. She's not that easy to get a hold of and, and get appointments with. And she was a bit shy about being on the podcast. So when I came across you and your work and got to know you better and found out that you had a lot of skill in this area, I thought, oh my God, there it is. My gift has come. So, you know, because I'm, as I told you off, off recording, I'm closing my uh, client coaching practice down in January for a while so I can get my new book done. I really didn't want to release a podcast like this and leave people just hanging in the realization, oh my God, I've got all sorts of symptoms of an entity and I need help, but I don't know where to go. And as you know, there's not a lot of people out there that can do this work effectively. So what a great gift to be able to share this with you and share you with the audience. I am so appreciative of it. And you're absolutely right. There is a lot of this going on in the world for many reasons, which we will discuss. And it's it's time. It's a crucial part for our emotional, spiritual, and even physical well-being to address this topic and be able to deal with it appropriately. Yes. So as you know, uh, we collaborated to put together the outline. So we made sure that we uh, didn't turn this just sort of into a faddish silly uh, TV script and made it very, very real because it is very real. So the way we're doing this for the listeners is Kedrich and I have each made contributions to the outline and we will dialogue as we go and share our own experiences and our own suggestions. So the first thing I'm going to do is start by saying I personally have encountered a lot of people with entities in my career, both in my client base and my student base. And I actually had to stop doing group healing work in my Holistic Lifestyle Coach Level 2 program, where Dr. Cliff Oliver and I used to choose the most challenged person in the group based on our analysis and offer them a healing to help inspire the students to learn more about the types of healing techniques we were using, which included sound healing, um, a, a formal ceremony for drawing in helping guides and spirits. And I use a variety of techniques from pressure points to tuning forks, to drums, to rattles, to various music instruments, Tibetan bowls, to sage clearings, uh, to crystals and various applications. And I just let my my soul and this and the guides that work with me guide me and we had very profound healings but we also had so many cases in which once we did the invocation and drew in the helper spirits and dr oliver is a real master of the didgeridoo and other many instruments but once we started uh, creating that stable healing space people with entities would have quite wild reactions because they just don't like that centered 
energy in the presence of uh, light beings. And some of them were just radical. In fact, we were in Australia teaching a class to a large group. And about 10 or 15 minutes into a ceremony, there was a great big strong rugby player in the class who had a real powerful entity in him. And he became very satanic and ended up on his hands and knees on the floor, running around like a wolf, trying to bite people and attack people. Um, and then within seconds of that, another one went off. And then a few seconds later, another one went off. So we had three complete dark entities in three strong men at once. And people were literally scared to death. And it took me and fortunately my distributor at that time's wife is a very skilled healer and Dr. Oliver about four hours to just get these people with the entities under control and stabilized enough that we could continue the class. But people were literally on their phones, calling their families scared to death, calling cops, you name it. It was, it, it was really an exorcist type experience. And I've had uh, many, many other cases like that. And I've had many people come to me that couldn't heal through the medical system and had chronic physical, emotional, and mental problems that it turned out to be entities. I've had numerous cases, even very recently, of people going to the Amazon or various places to do ayahuasca ceremonies and psychedelic ceremonies and pick up entities and come back with depression, anxiety, and all sorts of weird things like suicidal thoughts and violent thoughts and really just felt like something terrible had happened to them and I've had to do extractions for them. In one case, it was quite wild. One of my close friends came back from a ceremony at a well-known resort. I won't mention the name. I don't want to be unfair to them, but anyhow, he came back and he was putting on weight and feeling like really bad with all sorts of things like I just described. And I did a clearing on him and I hadn't seen him for about a month. And when he showed up to see me again, he looked so different. I, it blew my mind. I'm like, what in the world did you do? And he said, all this happened after you did that healing work on me and his body. He lost about, I would guess, 30 pounds. His body looked beautiful. His eyes were bright. He was happy. He was in himself. So I, I've got a lot of experience with this. Kedrich, I'm curious, what kinds of experiences have you run into? Wow. Nothing quite as profound and amazing as that. It's been more... <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it has been more on the subdued psychological level. You know, I see a lot of, let's say, obsession work happening with the persistent thoughts, persistent emotions that affect the person's internal belief system and then will affect their behaviors throughout their life. They, they tend to be real subtle, the influences. And it's really interesting. It isn't always negative like you would like you were describing. It isn't always like these super destructive, disruptive thoughts and feelings. Sometimes it can actually lull a person into complacency, into like a, a sense of comfort so that they don't do the changes, so that they don't do the inner work, so they don't make the big moves that they need to do. They're just sitting still and quiet. And for other people, it is, you know, self-destructive talks, self-destructive belief systems. And we just do a, a lot of the work because 
a big part of what I do is not necessarily the extraction. That, that can be a part of it because what occurs to me is the extraction can be a temporary fix if we're not doing the internal work. So I'm trying to teach people to do the internal work so that they can actually confront and deal with the attachment together. We work it together. I'm not leaving them on their own, but then their internal environment is all set. So it, the the work that I've done has been real subtle and you'd be surprised at the type of entities that we're working with. It, it's not the classical demons that you would see in the movie, but it would actually be parents and loved ones and maybe even a, a child spirit in desperate need of some comfort and help themselves and they get attached to the people and we have to work with that together and it's fortunately usually an amicable solution that we come to yeah that's good actually the 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 big rugby player guy that i was telling you about you know i was passing through australia so I wasn't staying and I, and he didn't have the, the money to coach with someone like me. So I work with the network there to track somebody down that, that the people in the area that I was in at the time thought was most qualified to help. And, and apparently it was a, a, a native, either Aboriginal or, or an Indian person that I was told was quite successful with this work. But unfortunately, about maybe... Oh, I don't know. A year later, the the guy that was in my class committed suicide. So it turns out that maybe it wasn't successful or that the integration work wasn't enough. But I found out later that like so many of these people that are carrying these possessions, he had a long history of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, violence, and a traumatic upbringing. So in some cases, these Entities are indicators, uh, in, in most cases, I find a lot of cases, there's a lot of trauma in the family structure. So I've seen the dark side of this stuff, and, and I know it's extremely real. I remember the first time I encountered an entity like that, I had studied it, and I'd seen lesser entities such as thought forms and various other types of entities, but I'd never seen a real expression of a demonic entity in somebody. And uh, I'll tell you what, it, it took my paratrooper resolve to stay present and manage it because it, uh, it was, you know, in, in a clinical situation. And uh, so I've, I've seen a lot of these things. You know, I've been doing this work for 36 years, so I've come across a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. And truthfully, in my work, I have never seen the full on demonic work that you would see in the in the movies and that and the television shows and that those sort of forms i've encountered things that are similar to that when, as we can talk about egregores but they never presented as let's just say baleful baneful in their their way of in the room but there was definitely that overwhelming like oh we got to be careful how we work with this yes well so the the first thing that I'm going to do here is define what an entity is. Now, this is not by any means a dictionary definition. This is what I define an entity is. Entities are any locus of consciousness outside the individual's self or ego structure that can interact with the host as another, often originating from within the individual perceiver, such as in the case of multiple personality disorder or a locus of consciousness perceived as external to those witnessing an entity. The perceived entity can interact with an observer-perceiver such as commonly experienced during extraterrestrial entity sightings, ghost, 
or any such being. So to, to just reiterate my first sentence there, entities are any locus of consciousness outside the individual's self or ego structure. What I mean by that is that the entity is an alter personality or an, what is perceived by that person as some other voice or being that they don't recognize or experience as their normal sense of self, thus their self-ego structure. Thus, it is an entity in the sense that it is a foreign agency of consciousness with its own set of ideas, wants, needs, desires, thoughts, feelings, and impulses that seem out of character for the individual. Kedrich, is there some things you'd like to add to that definition? Oh, I think that is absolutely spot on. It does, you know, it is a separate let's say almost even a sovereign sort of energetic being that has its own mind, its own feelings. And where I would go with that too, is I kind of look at how they form and where they come from. The big operating principle that I run through all of my paranormal work, whether it's seances to energy clearings, to attachments, possession kind of work is similarities attract and perpetuate. And I've seen that run through everything. And so when it comes to entities, they are like, let's just say they start off as a simple energy pattern, like a thought or an emotion. And if they're similar in ideas, if they're similar in energy, they glom together, they, they group together so that they're able to form more of a complex thought, more of a complex emotion. And they build up this as a matrix of who and what they are, and they still need that energy source to live off of. Most of the time, these entities cannot generate their own energy. They don't know how to find it in a natural way. So they will go to their next best resource, which is us. We tend to be the batteries, the energy output, so that these entities continue to exist. And given that formula that entities are these matrices of energies that come together, we have to even realize that human beings are the same thing. We have an emotional body. We have a mental body, the causal body, the ethereal body. All of these different subtle bodies come together and where they overlap is our authentic identity. That is who we are at the core of our being is this overlap of all of these subtle bodies. And let's just say maybe the emotional body is a little out of tune. Maybe there's some stress going on in life, or maybe there's chronic trauma throughout life. And that emotional body will have a certain energy frequency that is out of phase, let's so to speak, out of frequency tuning with the authentic core of who that person is. And we'll We'll leave out that part of who the higher self is related to all of these subtle bodies for now, but it is that emotional body that's like out of tune, out of phase, which might be in tune and in phase with some of these entities, which is where they go, oh, look, there's an energy source for me to tap into. And that similarities attract and come together. And that is where it will seem like the entity is an invasive being into your energy field, which it absolutely is. And I want to put together that this is the natural spiritual order of things. This is how the spiritual world works. This is how things come together and more complex beings form so that they eventually come into a sovereign sapient level like human beings are. And I just want to throw it out there that it is not an unnatural, it is not uh, against the laws of the world of the universe for us to have energy attachments. It is how 
everything works. And it is incumbent upon us to understand that one so that we can be in charge of what our energy fields are so that how we work with these entities is a much better way. Yes. And this goes hand in hand with, you know, one of the primary laws of alchemy as above, so below, as below, so above. So, you know, above here relating to mind, uh, emotions, and the below, the material form of the physiological body the f- and the physical body, so the, the physiological systems and the body. So because our mind is really the the uh, generator of the electromagnetic attraction, if you will, if you want to call it electromagnetic, that could be a, a discussion in itself. But, you know, if we're thinking negative thoughts, then we're going to create a negative attraction. If we're thinking positive, loving thoughts, we tend to harmonize with positive, loving energies and people. So if by means of trauma or any means that puts us in a negative state, if it's if it becomes chronic in particular, we start uh, like starts attracting like to us and the opposites attract means that we inevitably reach the point where we realize that we are having a hard time managing ourselves, our relationships start breaking down, our ability to manage things like finances, food, drugs, responsibility starts to break down. And so we end up attracting into our lives therapists or people with the skills to help us if we stay open to that help. So I, I just think that uh, you know what you're saying is totally in tune with the core principle of alchemy. Absolutely. The the principle of correspondence from the Kabbalion is absolutely that. However your internal state is, is what tends to perpetuate unless there is an external force acting upon it. So we, even we can get into inertia here, that that is the inertial state. And I will agree with you that the, the therapists, the teachers are drawn to you at those moments of need because that is the causal body reacting to the situation saying, hey, here's a call out for help. Let's see what we can do to fix this. Or even better, it's the higher being intervening into the world saying, okay, things are off track. I need to do a little bit of an intervention here, and here's how we're going to do it. Maintaining free will of the individual that is in the body. The other thing is, is, is from having studied shamanism quite extensively and met and worked with many shamans in my life, one of the common themes amongst shaman is usually quite a painful start to life and often some pretty intense challenges along the way. So my observation is, interestingly, that if our sole path is to be a healer, we often choose a life path that brings us into the direct experience of what it is that we need to experience and heal so that we become authentic in our capacity for empathy, compassion, and awareness of what's actually going on in in individuals, because as you know, it's very easy to recognize a challenge or a pathology or an imbalance in somebody else that you've already healed yourself. So I think one of the things I'd like to state here at the outset of this uh, dialogue is that if through this podcast presentation, you become aware that you are somebody that has clear indicators that you need help for some of one of or multiple types of entities, because you can have multiple of them at the same time. I've seen people with as many as 12 or 15 in them at once, that it's not something to denigrate yourself over or be ashamed of. It can be an invitation from source 
to do your healing work and gain the skills necessary so that you become an authentic healing force in the world. Because as we go through the podcast, you're going to see these issues are very, very common. Absolutely. I totally agree with that one. That a lot of times the work that we need to do is so that we learn how to do the work so we can help others to get through it. And you're absolutely right. I have seen people with many, many attachments going on, influencing them in so many different ways. And I like that you normalize it because this is absolutely normal. This is how the the spiritual world works. This is a natural order of things. And this is your invitation by hearing this, by experiencing this, to tap into yourself, to connect with your higher being, to find out, is it time to finally do this healing work so I can be free of these and work to a better emotional, physical, spiritual well- well-being through this kind of work? Yes. I suspect you've probably heard me talk about the pain teacher before on this podcast. The pain teacher comes to quicken consciousness and awaken us to habits, patterns of behavior, or diet and lifestyle factors, such as addictions, that we often act out unconsciously, reflexively. When you acknowledge pain as your teacher and really bring awareness to the issues at hand, you realize how incredibly beautiful the human design really is. Well, as we all know, the world has had a major visit from the pain teacher lately. But the point of the pain teacher is that it is a teacher, and until we learn to pay attention and participate affirmatively, the pain teacher only comes back stronger and stronger every time. This is an opportunity for learning and growth every time we fail, every time we injure ourselves, every time we have a relationship breakdown or get sick. The world is learning a lot about what we really value right now. In fact, even though the economy is opening up, more and more people are quitting their jobs. Why? Because they realize the importance of having a career with meaning that aligns with their values. That's something most companies and jobs just don't offer. If you're one of those people, if you're looking for a meaningful career helping people create more health, vitality, and freedom in their lives, then here's my suggestion. Go to chekinstitute.com forward slash L number four D Academy. That's checkinstitute.com forward slash L4D Academy now to learn more about the Czech Academy. This is the elite education system I built with Gavin Jennings, our CEO, to teach you all of the skills as a therapist and business owner to become one of the best holistic health and performance practitioners on the planet. It's helped people launch successful careers in training athletes, in corporate wellness, spinal rehabilitation, helping clients with chronic metabolic diseases, mental, emotional, and spiritual challenges, and so much more. And you can complete the entire system for much less than it will cost you to go to college and start making an income while you're in training. If you're ready for a change or to add a powerful new dimension to your skill set and be the change the world needs now, it's time to apply for the Czech Academy at chekinstitute.com L number 4D Academy. That's chekinstitute.com L4D Academy. We look forward to all of you joining us to make the world a better place. So our next subject heading here is what types of entities are there? I think it's really important at the outset for all of you listening to have an awareness of the different types of entities. Now, I can only tell you about the ones I've personally come into contact with or have significant knowledge of either by working with people that have encountered them, but I have encountered most of these 
that I'm going to share, and Kedrick is going to share some of his observations. So I'm going to begin my list now. Internally generated entities, such as is common with dissociative disorder, which is now often called multiple personality disorder. And these are the most common of the entities that I see uh, worldwide in my experience. And I think, Kedrich, that's a lot of what you were referring to as the types that you've seen, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah. I've seen quite a bit with DID. And it is interesting how the personalities can even present as an external entity when it is really, like you said, internally generated. Yes. And I, I do expand on that as we go. So uh, we will, just so you know, right now, you guys, I'm just being a bit brief to sort of categorize them. But Kedrich and I will enter dialogue and get a lot deeper into a lot of these issues, just so you don't feel like, well, geez, that sounds like me. What the hell do I do about it? So the first one then is internally generated entities. Then there are what are called entities of a personal nature. And these entities in particular are not usually negative. They're often positive, And those are power animals and spirit guides, which may also be extra dimensional, meaning power animals and spirit guides can be an internal aspect of our psyche, but they can also be extra dimensional. This topic is very comprehensive. And I have a video that I put together on my YouTube channel a few years back because I did a course on these types of things. And for those of you that want to see that video, I think it'll really, really open your mind up to what power animals and spirit guides are. So in the show notes, you'll find the link to my YouTube video which I put a lot of effort into having really good art done and graphics so that a person isn't just hearing words about it. You can get a real visual expression. And that's on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Paul check live. So if for some reason you don't have access to the show notes, if you go to youtube.com forward slash Paul check live, and when you're on my site, go in the search window and just type in Power Animals and Spirit Guides, Paul Check, and it should pop right up. Next is ghosts, disembodied human beings, animals, or creatures of nature, deceased family members that may be recognized as a known family member, or disembodied souls from one's ancestral lineage. Kedridge, you have a, a couple of notes there, so I'm going to let you go ahead and jump in there. Absolutely. Uh, some of the things to take into account here is that dead people, I call it three flavors of dead people, just to be kind of tongue in cheek. I always have a little bit of humor when I do paranormal work and spiritual work because I, I think laughter- <laughs> You cannibal. Is- <laughs> exactly. You've been I- eating dead people? <laughs> <laughs> it's because laughter is an essential part of working with the paranormal and how we can keep ourselves safe through it. So when I say three flavors of dead people- it's just to be tongue in cheek. Uh, the first one, and this is actually really pretty common, is a revenant. Is this is where the soul can fracture and fragment off during a moment of trauma. You could think of this like uh, if you were ever in a car accident, even if it was a tiny fender bender. It is so jarring and so traumatic, even for that little moment, that it, you'll remember that and you'll revisit that. And even let's say the next day, you'll have a memory of the car accident that you were in, and you have that visceral reaction where you're just. Uh, <gasps> And you're back in that moment. 
it's because a part of your soul actually fragmented and is living that car accident over and over again until you are safe and in a safer place to return to that soul fragment back to you. And this is a huge part of shamanic soul retrieval is going back to that traumatic moment, making sure that you now are in a safe place to receive that soul fragment back so you can heal. Well, death can be one of the most traumatic things that a person ever encounters, and it can fracture a soul so badly. Um, it's really hard to see if the, a person could be intact after that. But a revenant is a fragment of that soul living that traumatic moment over and over and over again. This is what you'll see in a haunted house, for example, where somebody was murdered. There is that fragment of the soul living those last few moments of their life or living that traumatic moment. Or there's somebody wandering through the house trying to find their way through. It's not the actual person. It's not the intact soul. It is just a fragment of that soul living that moment over and over again. And before you move to the next one, I just wanted to interject something that might be helpful for people. A lot of people get into slow speed accidents, like just in traffic and have a small fender bender or they're backing out of a parking spot and someone bumps into them and they can get extremely traumatized by these and having owned a physical therapy clinic for many years and, and worked in professional rehabilitation, what happens is when uh, insurance agents look at these reports and then they look at the magnitude of the pain and the reported damage, they often deny it, especially personal injury lawyers on the, on the other side. But if people want to know more about this, there's an excellent series of books. There's multiple editions called Whiplash. And the definitive books on Whiplash are written by Foreman and Croft. So if you look under the title Whiplash by Foreman and Croft, they give the physics of and, and very elaborate explanations of the forces generated even in, in uh, auto accidents as slow as five miles an hour and show how they can be quite traumatic and create a huge amount of damage. So I'm really just saying that there's actually biomechanical and physiological evidence for the trauma that can happen in these minor fender betters that can be so painful and so shocking that they can produce the revenant that Kedrish is referring to. Absolutely. And even how I can expand on that one even more is I am not a fan of a saying that I hear in a lot of the spiritual communities that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience or we're energetic beings having a human experience. I'm not a fan of that. My understanding and how I've seen all of this put together, we are spiritual and physical beings having a dynamic experience. What happens on one side affects the other. So what you can do on the spiritual will affect the physical, and what happens on the physical will affect the spiritual. They are they are united as one experience. So absolutely, when something damaging happens to the physical, you will also have a spiritual trauma. So another type of spirit that we could see another type of human type entity is what I call a shade for want of a better term. And for this, I'll use the example of, let's say, Uncle Charlie. Once a year, you see Uncle Charlie. He shows up at Christmas, Thanksgiving, and he tends to be pretty sleazy and grody. He always makes the wrong comments to the wrong people, uh, hitting on family members, heavily drinking. You know, he's got a gambling problem. Really, the, you know, I'm really painting a picture of somebody that's really creepy and that we don't want to have around for a reason. Now, let's say someday, eventually, all of this catches up to Charlie and he dies. For whatever reason, maybe Charlie, as the authentic person, the authentic soul at the core of his being, was 
spiritually intact for whatever reason that is. And his spirit was able to transition through the moment of death, able to go into the afterlife. But there is this part of him that retains existence in the material world. This is the part of him that has those addictive behaviors, those really creepy desires that need to be dealt with. This shade will continue on looking like Charlie, acting like the Uncle Charlie that you knew, but it's not the Uncle Charlie. Now, what happens with these addictive behaviors, these negative beliefs, and all of these sort of things, if they continue on after the moment of death, they are looking for homogenous energy to perpetuate their existence. So let's say Uncle Charlie has a drinking problem. That shade is going to go around searching for somebody until they see their energy field is like, oh, there's a person with a potential for drinking problem. And that shade will attach to the person and go, hey, how about we go out for a little drink tonight? I know you have work early in the morning, but hey, let's just blow off steam right now. And then little by little by little, all of these shade traits of Uncle Charlie start taking over that person because little by little, they agreed to it. And so we, we tend to see that as a pretty common attachment out there where addictions or self-destructive behavior is happening. It's not from the individual. It's just the shade entity trying to perpetuate its existence through behaviors it knows. Yes, I've seen a lot of those. Uh, uh, one time, Penny and I were, I think we were in the Cayman Islands and I was giving a lecture down there and it was a Sunday morning and we were trying to find a place to eat and there wasn't too many places open, but it seemed like the only places that you could find food were bars. And so we were going along trying to find a place that had food that we could even eat with our values. And we came to one place that had like a couple of uh, restaurants side by side. And one of them was right next to a a motorcycle bar where there was tons of, you know, kind of like your typical Hell's Angel type energy. And so I thought, well, let's just at least look at the menu because we're striking out. We walked in there and there was all, it was like nine o'clock in the morning and people were drinking hard alcohol and beer. And there was all sorts of obvious people, <laughs> people that were not too healthy psychologically. And I saw entities everywhere in there. And I just turned around and said to Penny, let's go. We do not want to be in this place. And I explained to her why. But so you can actually see these types of entities hanging out. And when I look at them through my third eye, you'll actually see the the uh, shadow body of the entity moving in and out of their physical body. And when they see someone that uh, can see them they usually don't like to be seen so they'll try to go back into them but i've seen lots of these things and any time you go to places where there's a lot of dark energy or people that are have a lot of unresolved pain issue or let's just call it evil thoughts and and a history of that type of behavior there's a quite a collection of these entities around absolutely Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to announce that one of my favorite companies in the world, Bioptimizers, has a brand new amazing product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough. And boy, is that needed. Wade, I wanted you to come on and tell us how your new product works. Well, basically, we've combined a wide variety of products that help manage blood sugar and help dispose glucose into your muscle tissues as opposed into your fat tissues. And basically, by improving your insulin sensitivity and depositing sugar in a way that enhances your health, you will be able to have better workouts, better lean body mass gains, 
get leaner more easy and have that more steady blood sugar rate without the rises and dips, which is associated with, you know, blood sugar, poor management. That's excellent. What's the discount for Living 4D listeners and where do they get it? Well, if you go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash living4d and put in Paul 10, you'll get a 10% discount. And if it doesn't impress you better than any other blood sugar product you've ever tried, you get 100% of your money back. Hey, that's a no risk purchase for an amazing product. And believe me, my track record with Bioptimizer's products is 100% satisfaction. Never had anybody complain to me and I highly doubt you will, but I'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you, Wade. I'm excited about the new product. One of my favorite places in the world is New Orleans, but you have to be <laughs> careful in the French loaded. Quarter. Exactly. You have to be very careful in the French Quarter. There is some very good, rich history there that the energy is wonderful and great. And there's some places with some really awful history there where the entities are not so great. And then there are a lot of shades roaming the streets, especially a, a couple of the popular streets. Let's put it that way. And if you are psychically attuned and aware of these things with your third eye, it will behoove you to protect yourself so that you can keep these at bay, but still be observant because, wow, New Orleans is a hot spot of all kinds of energy. Some really great and amazing and some wonderful people there and some stuff that you really got to protect yourself with. Yeah, I've been there multiple times and you go out at night and there's just alcohol and urine flowing through the streets. and. Uh, with my skills of perception, I can tell you there's a lot of dark arts going on in certain parts of that city. Absolutely. And there's a lot of good people there too. So it's, it's still one of my favorite places, but it, you got to definitely be careful there. The yin and the yang is everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so uh, that brings us to the, another type of person that you could encounter, which is the intact soul. This is like let's say Charlie at the core of his being, or this is somebody who has done their spiritual work throughout their life. They've learned how to build some cohesion into their soul. They are aware of the afterlife. They are aware of the spiritual realms. They've developed themselves so that when that moment of death comes, no matter how it comes, it's not so traumatic and they're able to keep themselves together. Now, the reason why we want to list these as part of entities is they could be this is a very common type of attachment that I've seen is they could be, let's say the mother, uh, even maybe an overbearing mother that really wants to be on top of everything that you're doing. She passes into the other world and you're suddenly, you're having these thoughts and these feelings that you knew that were your mother's traits. And you're like, what, what's, what's going on? Why do I suddenly care about these things? Why am I doing this? This isn't who I am normally. Well, that's because mom has attached herself to make sure that you're doing fine and that you're doing what you need to be doing according to her plan. She's still an intact soul. She's still aware and she does have your best interest at heart, but the follow through and the actions that come through are really not in your best interest. And that is a type of attachment that we would clear away in a very respectful and loving way that doesn't cause her harm so that she's able to transition and move on to her new life in the other world. Yes. Uh, when we get later on, I'll share some personal experiences. One of the things with those types I have found is that young children can see them quite clearly. Have you found that? Oh, yeah. This, is, this leads to a whole slew of interesting problems that I think we even have as adults. Is kids are aware of these. They're able to 
communicate and connect with them. And it is a non-malevolent communication. It's a non-malevolent problem. They're they're very benevolent usually. Kids are aware of it. They're talking to it. And parents are going, oh, it's just your imaginary friend again. Imaginary friends, yes, they can be just an imaginary friend. But a lot of times it's kids going, wow, hey, why is this other kid out here? What are they doing? How are they here? And they're able to describe that child. They're able to even name the kid. And the parents are like, okay, I was tired of your fun and games. I don't want to hear any more about this. And over time, the kids tune it out and we lose our abilities. So you as listener, you may actually remember as a child that you were aware of other people around you, other spirits that you were able to talk to. And then you remember the times when your parents told you, oh, you're just making stuff up. I don't want to hear these games anymore. And because you felt belittled by it, ridiculed by your parents, you tuned off that ability. But you've always had that ability since you were a kid. You know, since we're talking about it, I'll just share a, a story from our own experience. In the house that we just moved out of our house in Vista, which is just a beautiful place with lovely garden and nice space. When we bought the house, they informed us, uh, the people that owned the house, their father there, which was the kids that they raised three kids there. The grandfather died in the house. And you have to disclose that when you sell a house. But when I walked through the house and the property and did my own work to check it, I didn't feel any negative vibrations. In fact, it really was quite the opposite. But we did see, and interestingly, Penny, who's not usually too oriented toward this stuff, said to me, you know, I saw a, a dead man here. He's walking around and he's sometimes in the house. And I had seen him as well, but I didn't want to scare her. <laughs> but uh, when Mana came along, when he was probably about two, and he had enough words to say, we would see him out in the garden having a full-blown conversation with somebody. And sure enough, I would look through my third eye and, and this man was standing there and he was always dressed really nicely, like he was dressed up to go to church or something. And so being concerned that my, my child was safe, I went and talked to him and said, why are you here? And he said, you know, I'm sorry. He said, I, I don't mean any harm. He says, I really love it here. And I just feel so comfortable here. He says, I don't worry about anything. I'm not going to hurt anybody. And I said, all right, as long as you promise to not disrupt anything or do anything that threatens me or my family, you'll be okay. Otherwise, I'm going to have to extract you. But uh, Mana could always see him and would be regularly in conversations with him. And so I just thought it was beautiful that he just wanted to stay there longer and love the place. And I, I loved it too. And since it wasn't any harm to us, uh, it was no big deal. But one of the things I'll point out since we're talking about this, cats and dogs see these things very commonly. So one of the ways you know you might have one in your house, if all of a sudden there, you don't hear any noise that usually makes your cat or dog jump up, but your cat or dog starts going crazy or running after something, um, uh, I won't tell you, but I've had uh, personal experiences of these things and even been asked to help with these things. So uh, that's just an example of of the kind of soul you're talking about. Absolutely. And that's a really beautiful story. Uh, it's actually been my experience that that is a majority of the case that spirits are just like us. You know, They're living their own afterlife in their own way. They just have a little bit of a different understanding of physics and the way time moves, but it's 
still the same kind of consciousness, still the same kind of needs and wants and desires. They just go about getting it a different way. And I will still say that 99% of all paranormal experiences are just like that. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. And they're eye-opening. Yeah. And it was, you know, I'd see Mana outside playing with his trucks and all of a sudden he would look up and start talking. And whenever I would see that happening, I'd look and sure enough, it was it was the old grandpa out there talking to him and just sharing the day with him and just enjoying the beauty of of a child, you know, but never trying to pull his energy out of him or do anything dangerous like that. Exactly. And most of the spirits, especially that are human beings that are intact souls, most of the time, that's how they get along. And it's actually the reason this is why I say in seances that dead people are boring is because they usually have the same messages over and over like, hey, I'm fine. Things are great. I've moved on. Things are growing. I see you, what you're doing. Here's a little sign from me that you know that I'm around a certain smell, a certain color, a certain feeling. That's me that's here. And then they move on. And I'm like, well, it's they're all saying the same thing over and over. And it's really because it's the message we need to hear. But it's all really a beautiful thing. Yeah. You've got another one there on your list, Ascended Soul. The Ascended Soul. Now, the reason why I want to put this on there is this comes really from, this is a bonus flavor. This comes from us really doing our own spiritual work, our own inner work, reaching to higher states of being. And we find these kind of beings throughout lore all over the place. You know, in the Norse tradition, we call these, if they're the warrior types, they're the Ain Heriar. If they are the the weavers of fate, we call them Deesir. And in the Norse tradition, a Dees would be, a a matriarch of the family, a woman who has died, but she still cares about the family line and she still wants to have some influence over the direction things go for the benefit of everybody. But because they've done their spiritual work, because they've able to stay intact and they've gone through the process of moving from the physical life to the afterlife, they reach an ascended state of being. And their understanding of reality and time and causality is vastly different from ours, meaning that sometimes it looks like they could be causing harm, that they could be causing disruption, like maybe they are kicking somebody out of your life that is not beneficial to you. And that time can seem really hard and horrible and awful. But once you get through that and you're able to look back, you you can go, oh, thank you, grandma. I didn't realize what you were doing. So I just want to throw it out there. Sometimes it seems like they're doing harm, but when they're really stirring things up for your greater benefit, They're harder to understand because they're an ascended state of being. They say fewer words, but with more of an impact to those words and how they play out. And they don't attach. And meaning that sometimes it seems like, well, hey, grandma and I used to be best buds throughout our lifetime, but now I know she's there. I know she pops in, but it's more like she just says this one word, moves on, and now I feel so alone and stranded. It's it's because she has a higher perspective on things. She's less attached to this world and the outcome of this world. But when you go to crossover, you're intact and you get to this ascended, ascended state, you'll have a completely different relationship with her that is still loving, still caring, still attached. But it it's just vastly different because they've moved into a higher state of being. Yes. Beautiful. Our next class are thought form entities. Kedrich will share in a second another term for them. Which actually, the first time I heard that term in your uh, interview with um, Mary, uh, Regina Meredith, Re- Re- Regina Meredith. Sorry, I brain farted there. Very, very interesting because I've done a lot of study and work in this area, but had never heard that term before. So uh, I'm excited to have you expand on on that a little more. Thought form entities are entities created as a 
product of emotionally charged, repeated thoughts or images that take on an autonomic or autonomous lifelike quality. So I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I've seen quite a number of these. I had a woman come to me for help in Australia when I was working down there. And she, her parents were medical doctors and they lived a long ways out of town. And when she was a little girl, for some reason, they didn't want to spend the money to have someone watch her. She was only like five, maybe six years old. So they would leave her food in the refrigerator and then they would be gone all day long and come back at night and just leave her home all by herself. And she got so terribly lonely that she began to imagine these different characters. And one of them was a creature like a rabbit. And she she had created these in her mind. They were almost kind of like the Egyptian, I forgot the name of them, where you have like a half horse, half man. You remember the name of those types of beings from Egyptian writings? Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about, Kedrich? The hieroglyphs? Yeah, you know how in a, in a lot of these mythological things, you have creatures that are half animal and half human? Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yes, now I'm following you. Yes. Yeah, I, there's a name for them. I forgot the name right now, but... Uh, she, oh, it starts with a CH, doesn't it? Like Kyra, Kyra... Oh, it's escaping I can't, me. I can't remember, but uh, because just so most people would recognize them because they're quite common in, in mythological stories and paintings and art and things like that. But anyhow, she had three of these creatures in, in her. One I could easily recognize as a rabbit. Another one looked, if I remember right, like a monkey. But uh, she was having a lot of problems. And what had happened, she was now probably 35, but she was having a lot of impulse regulation control problems she you know impulses to buy things impulses to skip out of work and go play in a park or just do things that seemed sort of like odd to her so when i looked into her with my clairvoyance i saw these entities hanging around her trying to get her attention all the time and so i i explained to her what i was seeing and she looked at me like oh my god she goes those are the those are my imaginary friends from when I was a child. And she told me the story about how her parents would leave her. And this went on for, you know, a number of years where she would be at home out in the middle of nowhere all by herself all day. And she had created these beings to play with, which interestingly is exactly what people do when they're in solitary confinement in prisons. What do you call it? Concentration camps where they're put into solitary confinement. Usually after about the third or fourth day, they start creating entities in their mind to give them company because the human beings really don't do well without social interaction. And so uh, once I extracted those things, all those impulses and urges went away. But there's an example of an emotionally charged thought form that takes on an autonomic quality. And what was happening is she had spent so many years engaging these and pouring her psychic energy into them that they had now reached a level of psychic energy where they begin to have consciousness of their own and their relationship with her was built out of playing. And as she became uh, tied up in the responsibilities of life, they really started feeling resentful because there was nobody interacting with them. But so she didn't realize it was these three entities that kept trying to distract her and get her to not go to work and to 
do things that were playful and, and, you know, do things that were like celebratory so that they could feel like they got to interact with her. And once we cleared them, then she returned back to normal. But it was really quite a shock for her when I told her what I was seeing inside of her. <laughs> yep, that's absolutely, absolutely it. We human beings are powerfully creative creatures, whether we realize it or not. We create through observation and experience. And the more we observe and the more we experience, the more we reinforce that creation. And so by her being in that situation, creating that energetic form, seeing it, she's adding to the complexity to it. Like the whole, the similarities attract and perpetuate. And as she evolves and becomes more complex, that becomes reflected in those beings. And the Norse term for this is hugham, hug meaning thought, ham being form. So it, it literally means like thought form or a projection of the mind into a shape. Ham could be shape or form. And most often or not, they are amorphous. They can take on shapes like that, but more often they're amorphous. I will even say that thought forms contribute to orbs that we see all over the place. And thought forms are hugely prevalent throughout the world. They are everywhere. I can go outside and I can see them zipping all over the place, visibly little balls of color all over inside the home. They are a reflection of perpetuated emotional states. Uh, let me give some extreme example of this one in a haunted home. Let's say that there is a child or spirit of a child in the house, tinkering, playing, having a good time. And the people in the house grew up thinking, well, if there's any paranormal or spiritual activity, it's 100% demonic. That's all it could be. That's the only thing it can be. And now that I'm seeing the lights flipping on in the middle of the night, I'm feeling the cold spot. I'm seeing things moving around. The only thing that's in this house is a demon. It's out to get me. We're having a problem. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. That person is now perpetuating this fear over and over and over, creating a thought form. Now, this thought form can only subsist off of human energy. And it is, exists really of only one type of energy, and that's fear. And so when it starts feeling like it's getting a little bit low on energy, it'll go to a person living in the house, poke them with some of the fear energy, and that person will feel that, not realizing that it's coming from an external source, start generating this fear going, oh no, the demon's attacking again. Or even worse, maybe that thought form goes after the boy, the little child living in the house, gets him to provoke to fear or gets him to do something that causes the people in the house to generate fear. And this thought form is going, Ah, oh, I finally got fed. Now, I want you to keep in mind, this thought form is not evil. It's not malevolent. It's not destructive. It's natural. This is how the natural world works, right? If you were a fox living in, a, let's say you're a baby fox living in the foxhole and your mama runs out and grabs a rabbit and brings it home. Your mom is this wonderful, benevolent creature to you by feeding you. But if that mom stole a baby bunny, then to that mother bunny out there, she's thinking the fox is this evil, horrid, wretched thing for stealing her child away. That's the natural world. And just like in the natural world, they have their defenses built up and they have their adaptations to help maintain the survival of the species. You as a human being can be aware that, oh, this feeling, this emotion, this thought is external to me. It's not me. And then you can shift your energy state so that you're not affected by thought forms. Yes. Did you know that symbiotica means harmony? And you're really likely to enjoy my podcast with Shervin Jaffariah, the founder of Symbiotica. 
Symbiotic is an amazing company that makes excellent products to aid healing, enhance longevity, and improve performance at all levels of your being, from your spiritual practices to your athletic endeavors. I highly recommend you go to Symbiotica.com and check out their top-notch organically sourced products that include excellent tasting supplements like their Synergy Vitamin B12, which elevates energy naturally, to their Shilajay Minerals, which help you better regulate your hormonal system. Their Biocharge Activated Coconut Charcoal is an excellent detox support and removes toxins and poisons from the body quickly and non-invasively. Their Organic Longevity Formula is one of my friends and students' favorites. They rave about it. I really enjoy their Regenesis Liposomal Glutathione for its amazing antioxidant powers, which is really helpful for anyone that enjoys vaporizing tobacco and herbs like I do. They also have great immune support products, water filtration options for drinking and showering, and some cool clothing and more. When you go to C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com and use your Living 4D discount code, which is capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15 on checkout, you get 15% off anything they sell and you won't be disappointed. Enjoy Symbiotica. The next class of thought form entities is entities that result from any collective of people energizing the same thoughts, beliefs, or figures such as Mother Mary, the Black Madonna, Jesus, saints, sages, or gurus that are common to an adequate number of people to be energized and emotionalized to the point of perceived embodiment. These are actually exquisitely common and are just uh, rich in any religious population. Not only have I encountered them, and I do encounter them, I even interact with them, talk with them, and work with them for various reasons and for healing reasons, but they're very, very real. And um, there was an interesting story that Osho tells. Uh, you know, I have the complete collected works of Osho, the whole Osho library, and includes about 500 hours of his lectures to his students which are on, I have them on audio cassette because I bought this quite a number of years ago before they had put anything on CD. But in one of his lectures, he tells how one of his students kept pestering him to meet his master, who was supposed to be some famous guru in India and teacher of meditation. And Osho describes how he gets people saying that to him all the time. And usually they're just charlatans and he had no interest in meeting the guy, but the student wouldn't stop pestering him. I think it was the Virgin Mary or, or somebody like that, that this, this guy, this guru that uh, the student wanted Osho to meet was, was engaged with as, as this particular thought form, though he did not see it as a thought form. So finally, Osho broke down and said, okay. And he let the guy come spend a few days with him uh, at his uh, resort that he was working out of. And in, within the first day he, he was driving osho nutty talking about i think it was the virgin mary but he just kept going back to mother mary or whichever one of the it was a female deity it might have been one of the hindu female deities but for some reason i think, I think it was the virgin mary but osho said to him you realize that that is a thought form that is not a real deity and the guy got really upset at osho for saying that and osho said i'll tell you what I will challenge you then. I will let you stay here for three days with me. I'll provide your food. You can live here and enjoy the resort on one condition. You do not think of, talk to, or pray to that entity for three days. And if after three days, that entity is still there, 
then I will be admit I was wrong. And so what Osho was doing is he was basically putting the guy in a situation where he stopped adding psychic energy to it. So it's like a light bulb. If you don't keep electricity running through it, it just fades out. Or like a battery that sits on a shelf, eventually it discharges. So sure enough, the guy took Osho's challenge and three days later, he came to Osho in tears. He was all upset at Osho because now when he went to do his prayers, the deity did not show up anymore. And so Osho is making the point that, you know, there's a difference between a real divine entity and a thought form entity. And he, and he was pointing out that a lot of the religious entities that people deify are mythological figures. They're beings that have been made up by religions in order to commandeer people's minds or get them to participate in putting money in the hat, etc. So it, it was just a story that I thought I would share because it shows how a thought form entity needs to be charged off of your own psychic energy. But if you discharge from it, it actually dissipates and can even disappear. Exactly. And I will even extend that one step further with something called an egregore. An egregore is a collectively created entity by society. Uh, some of the initial stories of how they're created, let's go way back to the primordial days of humanity, sitting around a campfire, campfire, sitting around the fire at night, surrounded by tall grass. And yes, there are predators lurking in the tall grass that they can hear rustling. But at night, they tell stories of a creature living out there that is destructive, that it wants to eat the children. They give it a name. They give it an identity. They give it a form. And through their repeated stories over and over and over and over again, they create this entity living in the tall grass that lurks to want to hurt them. At the same time, they tell stories of a protective, benevolent creature that will fight against this malevolent being. And they tell stories about it. They give it a name. They give it an identity, a shape, a form, and their collective belief bring these entities into existence. Both are dependent upon that group for their existence. Now, we talk generations after generations after generations. The stories perpetuate generation after generation. The names change slightly. The stories change slightly. And suddenly, you have this complex long-lived entity that goes by different names, the same kind of idea of what it is, though, living out these these stories that it needs. But these beings need our belief. They need our stories. They need our devotion and our worship, in a sense, and even our fear of them to continue their existence. Now, their collectiveness over these many eons of existence will bring them into a sovereign existence. They do exist as a sovereign entity that we will see as a god, as a demon, as an angel. And when we tell our stories about them, when we do our devotional practice, we continue to perpetuate their existence. Now, that said, does it mean it's a bad thing? This could actually be still a very beneficial thing. In the Norse tradition, I will tell you that there is an Odin that is an ascended being that may have been human or may have been otherwise, may have been the Hermes Trismegistus that ascended into a higher state that still wanders around influencing and helping people out. And there are multiple egregores of Odin told in various different ways and told different stories that interact with people in different circumstances in different ways. And it appears to these people as Odin, and it is in a very real sense, and it still needs their devotion, their practice, that worship. Now, how does this relate to possession? Most of the 
classical demonology that comes to us from Catholicism really comes from two major books, the Goetia and the False Hierarchy. And if you look at the 72 demons that are described in the Goetia and the False Hierarchy, I can't remember the Latin phrase for it, so you have to bear with me the English. These were Macedonian, Babylonian, Canaan deities that were around before the Semitic religions came into being. These were beneficial creatures, they were beneficial entities, and they served those cultures very, very well. And as human history has it, whenever there is a new society, a new culture, a new community that's brought forth, they tend to vilify the old ways, they demonize the old gods. And in this case, the Goetia and the false hierarchy literally demonized the old gods from the old traditions. And throughout the ages, when we start hearing these stories of children flopping around the bed, cussing and puking, and they're saying, oh, this is Belial in there, or this is Baal in there, or this is, you know, all of these various names that come to us out of the Goetia, we have to take a pause on that and go, wait a minute. These entities could be 5,000, 6,000 years old or more. They've perpetuated their existence through the stories and the generations. They're very powerful. They're very wise. Maybe they're very beneficial. Maybe they're very detrimental. I don't know. But don't you think something that old, that powerful, that intelligent and wise would have something better to do than get into the body of a little child, flop around, puke and cuss? No, their influence is going to be at a much bigger scale. They're going to be doing things in a vastly different way than what we tend to see with possession, demonic possession. Yes. uh, You know, one of the things I wanted to sort of both sort of reiterate but add to these comments are that, you know, one, people can get really upset when you say things like Jesus or the Black Madonna or Mother Mary or various deities in this class are thought forms, but they don't realize that's one of the products of a belief system. A belief system is a closed system. And if you go against the belief, then you are considered evil and often could be face really hard times with these people or get killed, as we all know from history. But the reality of it is, is that these various deities, including Jesus, as an example, there is not nearly enough evidence that Jesus ever lived, nor is there evidence that Lao Tzu ever lived. And and the list is long in that case. Um, Now, if you say that to somebody Within the belief system, they will be very offended. Uh, <laughs> I found that out for sure. But the reality of it is, is these deities are actually dependent upon the energy of the group. So they're feeding the psychic energy in. So each of the individual's beliefs, experiences of interacting with and connecting to becomes part of the collective. Just like if Kedrich and I were to put our, our minds together. It would produce a third mind that had all the wisdom of Kedrich and all the fears and insecurities of Kedrich and all the wisdom, fears and insecurities of me together, which could be a much more powerful entity than either of us alone. But those people interacting with that thought form, if they're interacting with it in in harmony with our own, shall we say, dark side, then they will deify and exemplify and activate that part of that entity. But if they're in a- interacting with the benevolent parts of that thought form, they will interact with the benevolent parts of, of the deity that's the marriage of Kedrich and I. Exactly. One of the things I really want to build off of on that one is myself 
And some of my colleagues that are out here that work with people at the spiritual level are seeing a very common trend going along with men who have experienced some sort of darkness, whether it's throughout a life of pain and trauma, or quite quite a few of this is happening with men who are coming back from serving in the military overseas. They are encountering a dark goddess coming to them that they are all given the same name, Hecate. What I find is interesting with my own studies and my own work, I cannot study anything about Hakate. I can't retain any information about her. I can't seem to follow up my own personal studies about Hakate, what she's doing, how she is worshipped, how she's worked with. But all of these men say that she's coming to them directly. Some of them are really afraid of her. Some of them are finding benefit to her. But what I'm seeing about this this uh, egregore of Hakate, if she's tapping into the darkness of all of these men, either to help heal them, it helps perpetuate her existence for sure. And I think one of the benefits of working with her is she helps you to tap into your own shadows, tap into your own darkness to give that a voice, to give it the light that it needs to transform into a better way. So in one sense, she could be very fearful, dark, and destructive if you tap into that side of her. But if you're doing your shadow work with Hikate, she can move you into the light to work through your shadows, to work with that darkness. But I'm really astounded by how many men have encountered Hikate lately. Yeah, and in and, and uh there's there's a lot of them. Every culture has them. And even in non-religious circles, um you, you know, without going on a long expose of them, but uh Paul Levy, a famous union analyst, has a book, I believe it's called Watiko, and I can't remember what culture he's referring to specifically, but the, the Watiko for them is 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 the equivalent of the devil for a Christian. Yeah, it's a uh, Native American. It's yeah, the, the Wendigo. Uh, uh, it comes across as a negative entity, like a sacred clown almost. It stirs up things in the society, stirs up things of the individual. But And the Wendigo can be seen as a trickster spirit, as an evil entity, but it really does work from a higher cause to get you to do your own inner work. And so a lot of people are absolutely afraid of the Wendigo right off the bat, rightfully so. But if they're doing the work that they need to be doing and tapping into their higher self and doing their higher work, then they actually see the benefits of the Wendigo's work. Yes. And if we look at the devil, I mean, we have to ask the question, honestly, is the devil an objective being or is it the collective energy that is that of the darkness in all of us with regard to our own negative tendencies, shadow tendencies, biases, judgments, I mean, look at how many millions of people have been killed in the name of God. There's the number one cause of war in the world is religious differences and beliefs about God. So inevitably, having done this work for a long time and worked with many people that have grown through spiritual practice and authentic practices of religion, I don't know anybody like that that doesn't look back on their life and and blatantly admit i i used to have beliefs that were very negative and at the time i really believed they were positive you know look at hitler how many jewish people he killed thinking that he had to exterminate them for the betterment of mankind so what happens is we have our personal challenges with finding the balance of morality finding the balance of ethics overcoming our instinctual sexual urges our urges to take shortcuts to 
sabotage by by sabotaging other people or or manipulating people to get what we want or to get promoted in front of someone else that deserves the job more than us you know the issue of good and evil is a relative proposition what is sexually acceptable is a relative proposition what is moral and right when is it right to spank a child or not is a personal moral decision and there you you can put experts in a room diametrically opposed on any of these viewpoints i'm bringing this up to point out that when we're interacting with any of these collective thought form entities we can interact with them from the positive side but there's been a lot of death and destruction in the name of jesus and during the gulf war it was not uncommon on television to see soldiers in the navy particularly on ships writing nasty messages on missiles like here's a gift from god you bastards or you ragheads yet they were actually convincing themselves they were doing god's work by wiping these people out while they were completely blind to the truth of the actual impetus behind such wars and etc which is goes on all the time in the ruling classes as most of us know so there you see that what we call the devil or what we call a watiko etc is very potentially the potential of that thought form because anything that shows up in consciousness by definition has to have a positive and negative polarity or it cannot move it cannot actually convey information there's no flow of energy in it and i will conclude by saying we are collectively right now creating a thought form correct can you guess can you guess what his name is <laughs> <laughs> covid <laughs> we are creating a thought form called covid and people are many people are deathly afraid of this viral monster that's out there and they really believe it and they get very upset my son was telling me he was out hiking in a park in ashland or portland i can't remember i think maybe ashland or maybe portland would he and, and me have the same beliefs about this whole thing and he is smart enough to know that wearing a mask is a great way to debilitate your immune system. And he said people will get right pissed off when they pass him on the trail. They'll even climb up banks and hide in the bushes as, he, as him and his boys walk by and, and sh shout obscenities at him and everything. So they've actually deified an illusory monster for which there is no legitimate test. And there's now mountains of evidence that this is really... Uh, largely a mocked up entity but then there's people on the other side of the fence like myself that see this for what it is and do our homework and get real deep into it and, and have a knowledge of what viruses really are and how they function and and therefore i energize the positive side of covid and say well thank you dear entity called covid because you're giving mother nature one hell of a beautiful rest Thank you, COVID, because you're bringing people into close proximity with each other, such as family members, where you're having to come face to face with the shadow work you've been avoiding. And you're now being put into an opportunity where you must spend time with yourself, which very few people do. And they encounter their own thought form entities and their own entities of all types and their own darkness and either choose to work with it from a spiritual perspective or drug it or distract themselves with more addictions such as pornography, television, video games, and, and just continue to perpetuate the dark side of the whole thing. So 
I think it's very, very important for people to realize, you know, you, you have groups like skinheads, you've got Hitler, you've got all these people that have these highly polarized beliefs and they deify a person and then they become a legend and then the legend lives on for potentially thousands and thousands of years and carries these polarities. And for some, that, that legendary figure is very deific, excuse me, beatific. But should Jesus be an actual man who is transcended at this point, looking down at what's been done in his name, I'm sure it's got to be brutally painful. I totally agree. And, and what you were saying goes back to uh, the connection, the dynamic connection between the physical and the spiritual, where the COVID and the physical response, the coronavirus and the physical response that it's having on our community and our people. And this type of collective entity actually has a name. It's zeitgeist. Yes, indeed. And we all tap into that zeitgeist in different ways and express it in our own unique genius. Hi, everybody. Do you guys want to know one of my secret weapons that helps me avoid being sick or feeling run down? It's Organifi Immunity. Organifi Immunity is a super high-quality, certified organic drink mix that provides daily immune support and supports overall immunity. Organifi Immunity contains whole food vitamins C and D, whole food zinc, mushroom beta-glycans, and provides only natural sweetness. Not only will you support your immune system, but you'll also get on-the-go superfoods in a delicious orange blend that is great for you and your kids and everyone will love it. My family and I love it and it's easy as tearing off the top of the package and mixing it with high-quality drinking water and you can rest a little easier knowing that you're enhancing your immune system, which is probably a good idea now that so many people are spending so much time indoors, breathing indoor air, and lacking sun exposure. Why not enjoy a little immune insurance while getting certified organic nutrients, superfoods, and great taste that's quick, easy, and effective? To get your Organifi immunity and shop their amazing product line with your Living 4D discount, Go to O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com and save 20% on any and all of their products using the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's check 20 during checkout. Enjoy Organifi. What I'm really trying to point out here to make it crystal clear is the danger of a belief system. Because all belief systems are closed. A belief system is a set of ideas, principles, rules, regulations, or commandments, or concepts that give it a body, that give it tangibility. And if the belief system opens itself, then there's no way to define what the belief system is. In other words, look what we have now with Christianity. We have 33,000 derivations of Christianity, all claiming to have the authentic truth and teachings of Jesus. Well, there you have a convoluted belief system that keeps breaking down and reinventing itself. And an excellent book on this is The Religious Case Against Belief by James Carse, which I'm working on setting up my next podcast with him to go into because it's a very profound book. And he goes into this in great detail. This is exactly why I teach all Czech professionals to be an effective therapist or holistic lifestyle coach you must remain open-minded. You must be always willing to upskill, to upgrade your beliefs, and to see life as permeable, transient, and ever-changing, 
or you can find yourself frustrated and confused as to why you're doing such a great job loving such and such a deity, but not realizing at the same time you're also supporting the destruction of other people, the denigration of other people, the devaluation of other people because they have an opposing belief system, which means you're charging that deity or thought form with negative energy that can be very, very damaging. So my tip is if you want to avoid engaging the dark side of collective thought forms, you've got to be careful. And right now is an extremely important time to be careful because having spent years and years and years researching mythology, one of the things that all the great experts of mythology say is whenever a myth of any culture begins to break down, there is an emergence of a counter myth. And those Two, the new emerging myth and the established myth go at each other and often trigger wars. But during that period of time, people's level of consciousness due to the stress of the transition lowers. So they go into more base behaviors, more willingness to fight, more fear, more anxiety, more depression, more suicide. And during these periods of time, there is usually isms that pop up all over the place, such as Satanism or skinheadism or any number of isms, because unfortunately, a large percentage of our population has not evolved to a mature adult level of consciousness. So whenever they're under stress and they don't know what to do, they look to any authority figure that seems to have the power to exterminate their perceived enemy, which in my opinion is exactly how Donald Trump got voted into president. Because of his arrogant, ass-kicker personality, all the people that wanted to exterminate the competition and make United States strong and build walls to keep people out deified exactly that, which is really the shadow of our culture coming to light. And isn't it interesting that Donald Trump has now been diagnosed with COVID, even though there's no authentic way to diagnose it? And I, I just watched this all play out. My warning is that we're talking about entity possession and entities can possess an entire culture, an entire nation. In fact, nationalism is one of the most dangerous forms of entities that there is. And it is because psychedelic drugs dis dissolve the ego structure and bring people typically much more into their hearts and help them realize the weaknesses of belief systems and open them to their own inadequacies and judgments and needs to heal that the government wants to get rid of that stuff and always has because it's very dangerous to the power of the state and nationalism. And it almost always introduces a counter myth. And that's exactly what happened during Vietnam. Young people did not want to participate in the unnecessary destruction of other people. They were under tremendous stress. And so they turned to LSD and mushrooms and, and psychedelics to get the healing effect that was available to them through the dissolving of the ego, which was used ritually throughout history in tribes all over the world, specifically so that they did not get too trapped in their ego and lose connection with the spiritual forces and intelligence of the earth. Yes. Uh, what that type of being that you're describing is actually something out of Norse lore. It's what we'll call a Thurs. 
Uh, Thors is a type of giant. They always go by the name of Hati, the hater, or Angerboda, the boating of anger. Uh, these are, let's, for want of a better word, they're still a collective entity. They're still like thought forms that have glommed together, but they have this huge, massive influence over vast swaths of the populace and convince them to do horrible things to each other in the means of supporting the Thors to exist. So how do these Thors pop up? Let's look at Rwanda, right? The whole the whole travesty that hit Rwanda, they were killing each other because one side was Sutsi, the other side was Hutu. And then the peacekeepers came in doing another cycle of violence. These Thors are very, very difficult to overcome because they can influence the the deepest core beliefs of huge amounts of populaces. I am familiar with Thurs working in another group. I'm not directly working with this, but I have a colleague who is working with some resources to help this out. But there is a Native American community nearby where there are a lot of suicides going on, a great deal of suicides. And it is, you know, there's a collective sadness, there's a collective despair and misery going on. But whatever this Thurs is going on there, it is perpetuating the cycle of misery and despair. And the only way that the kids can see a way out of that is by committing suicide in massive numbers. It's just outrageous how much it's going on. And the really, the two ways of working with the Thurs is to do like education and do a lot of structural changes to the society to you know, basically vilify and demonize things like racism or separatism, which we absolutely need to do. There's no place for that. And I'll even say it officially here in heathenry, there is no place for racism. Uh, but the other best way for us to deal with Thurs is just like what you were saying, is within religion and within dogma, it's a very closed system where what we think is a positive belief is actually a very negative and destructive belief. And by tuning into that, we are perpetuating that negativity. And that is exactly how the Thurs works, is it influences that our belief and reality that it exists only this way, that the side is out to kill me, so I have to go kill them before they kill me, and I need to be super aggressive. And it's influencing both sides of that mythological debate. It's influencing that just to get the anger, just to get the violence and the disruption. So what do you do is you rise above that. You look beyond the left and the right. You look beyond the light and the dark. You look beyond the polarity, and you try to find yourself at a higher state of being. You move beyond those mythological constructs to really connect with yourself at a higher level, to connect with your own higher being, working with ascended beings. And if your own personal value system, your own personal belief system is in alignment with some of this, great, go with it, no matter which side it is. If your personal values and belief system is in direct opposition to some of those things, great, go with it. The only real way to Break free from the Thurs is to discover your own authenticity at the highest level. Live that to the maximum degree that you can and just like really boost your energy to living that way, giving permission to everybody else around you to ascend into their own authentic self. And it is from that place that you can influence the collective, that as you move yourself into a higher state of being, you are subversely affecting the collective to release their grip from the Thurs so that they can come into their own being. And eventually that Thurs will move on because enough of that society has moved into a higher state of being where they can't be influenced by the weird stuff that a Thurs will try to make you to do. 
Yes. So Kedrich, listening to you, it, it really made me want to add one more dimension before I get to our next class of entities. And that is that, as you well know, that a lot of these entities are parasitic. And you've already mentioned they feed off of our energy. But the reality of it is, is just as consciousness requires the positive and the negative, we all have the shadow and light in us, even the most evolved people have to keep doing their their clearing work, their healing work on a daily basis, which is why most highly evolved people have a daily ritual of prayer and cleansing so that they keep themselves from accumulating too much of the the dark energy, if you will, uh, or or even uh, falling into the trap of their own belief systems too heavily. And one of the things that you see with these collective entities like we've been speaking about like national entities or large groups or isms is that they 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 do lead to a lot of violence and bloodshed but one of the things people don't think about much but is very real is that whenever you can get people to spill blood you're releasing massive amounts of free energy that these uh, entities can feed off your blood carries a huge amount of the life force energy moving through your body so once you start losing blood your your body is open which makes it possible for other entities actually to penetrate your field because you've got a wound but the blood itself is just charged with life force energy that they can feed off of so when they can start wars or battles or gang fights it's just like a feeding frenzy for the darkness in a lot of these entities uh i'm curious what your thoughts are on that that's absolutely true. And that's why these entities don't care who or why the violence is being committed. They just want the violence committed. Meaning there could be two warring sides trying to commit genocide upon each other. It's loving that. It's loving that bloodshed and the violence and the terror and the horror. And then the peacekeepers come in to choose a side or maybe to stop the violence on both sides. But how are the uh, quote unquote peacekeepers doing it? By continuing the bloodshed, by continuing the violence. And that Thurs is just sitting there going, yummy, keep it up, guys. Who's next? And if that eventually dies out, they'll move on to another place, another cause. They'll just change the words, change the terms. But the emotions, the beliefs, and the bloodshed, it doesn't care who's doing it or why. It just wants you doing it. No, it's just looking for an energy source to feed itself. Exactly. The the dark side of us feeds off the darkness in us, and the loving light side feeds off the lightness in us. So you see, even in these entities, there's the polarity that exists because they actually become self-autonomous. They become really, what I would say, the closest thing to it is artificial intelligence. They actually develop a form of intelligence within themselves that is the product of the collective, and wherever you have a form of consciousness, you have to have this polarity or it, or there is no capacity for the movement of energy and information. Without energy and information, then an entity doesn't exist what, no matter what type of body it wears. Very true. Our next class is individual or collective intelligences from any dimension that functions as a mind or minds without a physical body. Some may manifest with a light body but commonly do not. Common examples of such intelligences that most of you would be aware with are Seth, Abraham, and Ra. So 
to my knowledge, nobody's ever actually seen Seth, Abraham, or Ross show up in any kind of discernible form. They're channeled entities. Ra speaks of itself as the intelligence of a group of people that once lived but are now disembodied and living in what is referred to as the sixth dimension. So there are entities or beings or intelligences that actually don't present with any sort of embodied form. But if you remember, if you think of mind as an ocean and intelligences as eddies within the ocean, it's still just the ocean itself. Just like you can see a river that can have one eddy with a bunch of sticks and twigs in it, and then six feet away is another one with a bunch of ducks caught spinning in a circle. You can give each of them a name, and if here in the, in the example of mind, that can be a collective intelligence that was once embodied but has now reached the point of maintaining and even growing its intelligence without the need for a physical body. But usually by the time they reach that level of development, they can manifest in light body form to communicate with people. And this is also, from my studies, uh, what can happen with spirit guides. They can be forms of intelligence in the collective consciousness or universal consciousness that come to support us be by answering prayers or other means of support that may manifest in a form within our psychic space that looks like an entity that we can identify and even get a name from, but they're usually doing that just to allow us the ability to have a sense of something to communicate to. Any comments on that class? Absolutely. I work a lot with these kind of entities in my own personal work. Uh, I call them whispers for want of a better word. They exist in a reality that we cannot understand. We really do not have the capacity to understand what their reality is like. Uh, for example, one of the times I was doing some mirror work, the, the mirror, a black mirror is my primary means of communication with these beings. I said, I wanted to experience their reality in their way. And I want to understand it on their terms. And I did this for a few days over and over again, and just completely failed. I couldn't grasp what I was experiencing. I couldn't connect with it whatsoever. And when I finally agreed to meet on on, let's say, common grounds, they were explaining to me that their sense of reality, their understanding of what existence is, is so vastly different from ours that we won't be able to understand it. But because like the eddies of the ocean, we do have some overlap. We do have some consciousness where we can coexist, where there is a, an ability to communicate. But what needs to happen is I need to be willing to allow my own mind, my own imagination, and my own experiences and patterns interpret the information that I receive from them in ways that I understand so that we can have somewhat of a common ground to communicate. Now, these beings never had a body. They never existed in physical form whatsoever. Their sense of time is so vastly different from our concepts of time. I almost call them causal beings because one of the things that they've showed me is that a moment is like a living being that gives birth to another moment. And that is a living being in and of itself. And they look at every single moment that passes through, no matter what time frame that moment is, as actually a living entity capable of its own existence and giving birth to the next moment. It's a really bizarre concept, but collectively, individually, there is no such thing to them. They just are, and it's very 
challenging to communicate with them. The only thing I could say is that it's like there's a universal language that exists at the semantic level, at just like the general notion level. They communicate with this packet dump of information that comes in. It takes a blip of a second, but I could spend a day or two sometimes unpacking the information that comes through. And it's always mind-blowing, but it's not like verbal communication like we're used to. And by the way, I've seen the colors in their realm. I've seen the colors of what their their realms look like. It is color, their frequencies, but I can never tell you if they're black, they're blue, they're brown, they're green, they're yellow. They are colors I have never, ever seen in any sort of existence except for when I'm tapped into their realms. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I understand. And, and uh, I have uh, communicated with intelligences that I cannot um, see as an embodied form, but uh, get very profound, clear wisdom from them. And I think that because there's a myriad of those intelligences within the cosmic space, once again, it goes back to making sure that you're communicating from the place of vibrational resonance that is going to give you a sympathetic resonance with the intelligences that match the place that you're communicating from. In other words, if you communicate from your darkness, you're going to attract intelligent darkness. But if you communicate from the love light of yourself, you will attract intelligent agencies of love light. Exactly. Similarities attract and perpetuate every time. Yes. I'm sure most of you are aware, even though you may not like the taste of organs, that organ meats are extremely important and good for you. And I've got great news for you. Paleo Valley makes an amazing grass-fed organ complex that's unique and better than anything I've ever found out there. So much better. I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, its creator, exactly what you're going to get from their grass-fed organ complex. Autumn, get us informed on why we should be using your amazing organ complex. Okay. Well, like you said, organ meats are nature's multivitamins. And when we use them, we feel this energy and this stamina. And most people don't like the flavor. So what we did was we took grass-fed and finished organs like liver and heart and kidney, and we just put them into capsules so that you can get all the benefits, the beautiful benefits of organ meats without actually having to taste them, without liver burps, of course. And they're just freeze-dried. So again, they're not processed heavily in any way whatsoever, and they are sourced from American farmers using regenerative agricultural practices. And all you have to do to try it out is go to our website at paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, and that's lowercase c-h-e-k-15. And I sincerely hope you love it. My next class is fairies divas and nature spirits uh i have not had too much interaction with fairies but i have uh, a lot of interaction with divas and nature spirits and i just realized i didn't put angels in gin and i just thought i would put them in there having studied rupert sheldrake and matthew fox's mm-hmm. book the physics of angels uh, they shared something. Rupert Sheldrake, as I'm sure you probably know, is really quite an evolved scientist and, and very deeply spiritual man. And Matthew Fox is one of the greatest spiritual teachers, former Catholic priests that got <laughs> kicked out by the Vatican for teaching things like Buddhism and Taoism, but is a very amazing being. And um, 
one of the things that Sheldrake, I believe it was, probably both of them, it's been a while since I studied that book, but they said that angels really can be considered as flows of information in the cosmos. And I really like that. I actually have had multiple experiences of angels coming to healings that I was doing. So there was a time in my life when I kind of doubted that angels were real. I thought people were just making it up. But I've, have, I've now had several experiences with angels coming to help and support in healings. And I remember the first time it happened, it shocked me <laughs> to my core. I'll, I'll tell the story real quick. I was doing a healing in a class many years ago, probably 15 years ago now. And I did an invocation and the person that we were doing the healing work for was really having some serious problems. And I, I always invite the angels of love and light to come support. And they've probably been there many times, but this time I became viscerally aware of a shift of the energy in the room. And I even heard what I would call music that I would call celestial in it. The closest I could say I've ever heard is the music of St. Hildegard of Bingen, Hmm. but really amazing. And all of a sudden my attention was drawn upward and there was probably 30 or 40 little angels that were babies like children, maybe between two and five years of age, if they were in human form flying around the room, all playing musical instruments, going in a circle, in a counterclockwise circle. And it blew my mind. And then they were as clear as a bell to me. And I had a moment where I was like so awestruck and it was like I was frozen in the healing. But then I realized, oh my God, I'm doing this healing. I can't get sidetracked by this. And when I finished the healing, literally the instant that I closed the healing, three women in the class came up to me with tears just pouring out of their eyes. And they said, Paul, Paul, did you see all the angels in the room? Did you see them flying around the room? Did you see them playing instruments? And I said, oh, you saw them. I said, yes, I did see them. And it had such a profound moving effect. And these three, uh, not I think two of them were fairly close together. One was from the other side of the room, but they all had an independent and simultaneous experience at the same time that I was having it of seeing these angelic beings. And that sort of broke the impossibility wall down for me. It broke down my my sort of uh, skeptic approach. And then after that, I've had several other encounters and each time it's just been mind boggling. And so. I've really actually had experiences like this where my own belief system really got stretched and expanded and grew me a lot and really brought me into a much deeper connection with what we would call God or the divine and, you know, realized, okay, that, you know, there's a reason people have been talking about these things for as long as human beings have been writing things down. The jinn are a different class. They're often described as tricksters. I'm curious. What's your take on the jinn? I have to admit, I haven't studied enough about them. I know I've heard the lore that they are fire beings that existed before humanity and that there is some resentment for God and the angels choosing humanity over the fire the fire beings. And outside of that, I, I honestly don't know enough about the jinn to, to talk about them. 
Yeah, they're much more part of the Islamic lore. There's many encounters of them in the desert, especially when people are lost. Some people say that they can take on physical form and be a human being. And people also say that about angels as well to help people. But I have read a fair bit where the jinn can actually play games with human beings and and may not always have their best interest at heart. But there's so much recorded documentation of encounters with them, I felt I owed it to them to include them in the conversation. Our next class is spirit guides. And as I was mentioning earlier, spirit guides may originate intrapsychically or may come from other dimensions within the earthly solar or universal matrix. I have quite a lot of experience working with spirit guides. I actually do work with spirit guides on a daily basis. I won't go into a long expose of that because I don't think it's necessary, but my experience with the guides that I work from is they're not coming from within my mental structure. They're coming from what I would call the cosmic structure or the intelligence of the universe having interacted with them. Some of them are actually beings that have been in human form, some of them recently in human form, others not. My urge is to start getting into it, but I'll I'll slow us down too much. But I know that spirit guides can be produced intrapsychically. In other words, as a an expression of the intelligence that is within our own psyche, but it's really hard to to really even classify them as intrapsychically because our psyche cannot really be separated from the whole. We have our own relationship within ourselves, which we would call the domain of the soul. But the soul is actually an expression of the divine, and it can't be here without the universe. And no one soul has any agency without other souls. So just like we're permeable to the environment, we're breathing the air in, 60% of the chlorine and water in a bathtub will go right through your skin. Oils penetrate our skin. Food comes into us from the outside. Most of what our ego structure is, is created by the ideas collected from other people. Very few of our own ideas and concepts that we use to navigate the world are our own. So what we think of as our own inner world is actually largely created of everybody else's world too, which is why when you really do deep healing work, you come to realize that the ego is really an illusory construct and it's made of everybody else and there's no end to that. So my point being, spirit guides can be intrapsychic from the perspective I've shared, or they can come from what we might perceive to be as extra dimensional, even beings in the earth or or the solar system or the sun or any planetary system, the galaxy or even beyond. Any comments on that, Kedrich? Absolutely. There are many, many types of spirit guides. Like you were saying, ascended humans that go into a higher state of being that come back to teach us, to guide us. They definitely are external. And it's interesting, the intrapsychic type, I never thought about that one. So I'm going to explore that one. Like there is a collective sort of egregore type thing. Sure. I'll think about that and see how that ponders. One of my favorite ways of thinking about this, and this is what comes from the causal beings, the beings that have no concept of past, present, future, or any time dynamics in our sense, they gave me what they talk about, for want of a better term, is I call it the alpha and the omega point. 
let's say that in some point of your life, we're going to call it the alpha point, you had this awakening that you could be much more than the physical egoic self that you were led to believe that you were, that you now want to pursue a spiritual path, a spiritual growth and spiritual evolution. And along the way, from the alpha point to the omega point, the omega point is your full awakening, your, your point of ascendancy, which could happen after death, could happen in your lifetime. But omega point is your full awakening into this higher state of ascendancy. So between that, you have a guide. You have somebody teaching you along the way, a spirit guide that says, hey, do this, how about this? And it's very patient with you and it understands the challenges and the problems that you're facing. And it even starts eventually looking like higher self guiding you from an external point of view. And then as you get further and further, you finally get to that omega point whenever that happens. And it's like suddenly you lose that guide. That guide's not there anymore. And you're like, wait a minute, why am I suddenly alone? But if we take out linear time as we understand it, at that omega point, you became your higher self. You became this ascended being, and you have an active interest in your perpetuating that ascended state. So as this ascended being, you go back in time to that alpha point, wake yourself up and say, hey, let me be a guide through you for your entire lifetime. And so that external spirit guide that seemed external was really yourself as a higher being guiding you from a place where time doesn't exist as we understand it the entire time. That kind of really baked my noodle when I started to wrap my head around that. Well, I totally agree with you, and I would even go one step further. You've just described God. I can see that, absolutely, especially if we're looking at it at the collective level, because the collective unconscious to me is the closest thing that we can have to God. Whatever God is, God is everything, or God's not God. And whatever's evolving, it's God. And if there's anything that exists beyond time, but is conscious, it's God. And if there's anything that is willing to come back to help itself achieve the omega point, it's God. Are we talking self-deification? Well, what I'm saying is that if God is God, then God is source. Therefore, there anything in existence in any form be it material, thought form, energy, or other things that we don't even know about can only come from one source, or there is no context for the word God. And we go back to that duality. Are we separate so that we can perceive it? That's the only way God can experience itself, is to create the illusion of separation. And that's really what the term Maya means. It's the illusion which allows love to exist, because without the illusion of separation, then love has no agency. So ultimately, it's God loving God. That's why I think in our last podcast together, I quoted Lao Tzu speaking of the Tao. He said, all things have their back to the mother. It's darker than dark. It's blacker than black. It's older than God. But what he was saying about the Tao, he was referring, saying it's older than God. It means God is a human construct. But the Tao is beyond any construct that we can wrap our heads around, and it's blacker than black and older than, you know, darker than dark, blacker than black. All things have their back to the mother means there's nothing behind God. So as far as the human mind can conceive of anything, God is beyond even that. Therefore, whatever is in existence is an emanation from that unknowable source. So really, 
if God is source, then no matter what we're talking about, it's what's evolving and it's what is the intelligence or the consciousness that brings energy into form. Otherwise, there is absolutely no need for the concept of God. It doesn't make any sense if, because then you have to reclassify God and call it something else other than prime source. That makes a lot of sense to me. Cool. Uh, so now we have beings from other planets, stars, or systems throughout the universe that one may encounter via astral travel remote viewing, but are typically only encountered when we enter their domain. I have a lot of experience with these. I'm a remote viewer. I uh, do a fair bit of remote viewing and have done a lot of it. I began having the ability to remote view at the age of 12. And I'll give you an example. Probably a year ago, I was watching Gaia TV, and I can't remember what show on Gaia TV, but it was talking about extraterrestrial visitations and summarizing all the data. And one of the things they said that that researchers looking into this had classified that there are four primary classes of extraterrestrials. So when they look at all the types of sightings that collectively have been reported, they can break these extraterrestrials into four types that people keep citing over and over again. And a few years ago, I used to do a lot of remote viewing, and then I would meet beings in different uh, places throughout the solar system, the galaxy, or other dimensions, and I would draw pictures of them and, and write in a notebook the kinds of information they shared with me. And I was on the sun one day, and I ran into beings there, and they were first i was a bit scared because they were like seven feet tall and they looked like giant praying praying mantises that walked around on their hind legs and when i first encountered them i was like wow you know it kind of tripped me out and so but they they communicated to me telepathically and they communicated to me right through my heart chakra and said don't be afraid we we know exactly who you are we we support human evolution we support the entire solar system we are beings that live here on the sun and work with the entire planetary chain and so they they told me all sorts of stuff but i'd never had anybody talk to me about that anybody that does this kind of work and i was happened to watch this guy a show and they were first they put the first class of beings and the second and the third one was a picture of these beings that looked, they called them the insectoids, and they looked exactly like giant praying mantises. And when they put the picture of them on the screen, I about fell out of my skin. I went, oh my God, that is them. That's exactly the beings that I was encountered with. And whoever created the image got it bang on, even to the color. They they actually were almost, a, they looked like they were made of ivory. Their bodies were made of, of what looked like ivory. and And they... They had no, the, the heat of the sun had no effect on them. They were, I don't know how to describe it, but whatever they were made of did not melt or react negatively to the heat. You can travel into those kinds of dimensions in your astral body without a problem. But uh, so I'm saying that there are these uh, beings out there. Now, um, I personally have not encountered anybody that was possessed by them. But I have encountered many people that have worked with beings from these dimensions of various classes that have gotten tremendous enrichment 
And my soul has guided me to many places. For example, my soul has taken me to Venus on a number of occasions. And I met with people that just like you and I, I was in buildings that look very similar to us. I met with various teachers, sat there, took notes, learned, you know, how to live and love better from beings that, that basically had been in this level of evolution that we're at here on this planet, but were much more um, stable, I would say, than us, much more aware of the higher truths of life and the universe. And the sense that I got was that there was just a lot more peace among them. Uh, I, I didn't get any sense that war was even something that would happen there. Uh, so I, I've, I've experienced a wide variety of these other beings that can range from completely human to insectoid. And, uh, and I know from studying a lot of these different experiences people had, they can even, beings can even be geometrical forms. And I've actually had in shamanic journeys, geometrical forms appear to me and, and communicate to me through intuitive knowing, just like I'm talking to you right now. And it's happened so many times that it doesn't surprise me anymore. But I'm just saying there are intelligences out there that that you wouldn't expect to actually be intelligences, but they are. Hi, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed Are You Possessed with Kedrich Olson. I'd like to offer you our full program, also titled Are You Possessed? This amazing detailed program may be the most comprehensive of its kind in the world today. Entity possession is a field that I've studied quite extensively because of how often I found these issues directly or indirectly linked to patients' physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual challenges. With the combined knowledge Kedrich and I share in this full-length program, you are not only getting one of the most comprehensive educations available worldwide on the topic, but we share a lot of highly practical information anyone can use to prevent or heal from entity possession. The full download program includes the podcast you've just listened to plus an additional seven hours of information for only $39.95, and it includes psychotic episodes, spiritual emergency or spiritual emergence, researching, exploring, and validating psychic phenomenon, servitors, tulpas, poltergeists, and near-death experiences, how people get possessions, multiple personality disorder, dissociative disorders, and information about the Black Madonna. Types of dissociative disorders, including fatigue states, depersonalization disorder, psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, and a section to determine the difference between entity possession or complexes as defined by Carl Jung. Other common means of acquiring entity possession, the importance of doing healing work on yourself to prevent entity possession, psychedelics, ley lines, extended isolation, the nocebo effect, and sources of entity possession, mediumship, electromagnetic stress, acts of evil, evil or negative spells, common indicators anyone can use to determine if they have entity possession, sleepwalking, a healing ceremony story about entity possession and tips you can use, plus more on spiritual emergence and the importance of consistent spiritual work. Key tips for preventing entity possession, seance, well-being, and the four doctors for health and preventing entity possession, the importance of having a dream, goals, and objectives in your life, core values, 
six foundation principles, and learning to discern one's own thoughts and feelings from external sources. Setting boundaries, controlling one's environment, biogeometry, love, and other high vibrations that can protect anyone from entity possession. A simple, powerful technique for having your soul clear you of negative entities, disembodied souls, or spirits that can have negative effects at every level of your body-mind. What to do if someone is confident that they do have an entity? What are some self-help solutions to clearing and preventing their return? And we give suggestions for finding professional help. And we finish with some closing comments. To purchase the full-length program, Are You Possessed? as an audio download, go to thechekshop.com. That's thechekshop.com forward slash product forward slash R dash U dash possessed forward slash. That's thecheckshop.com forward slash product forward slash R dash U dash possessed forward slash to get your full length audio download. We look forward to hearing your feedback. We know this program will help anybody that listens to it and applies it. As you learn from listening to the podcast, we both have a lot of experience, and this is a culmination of many, many years, probably over 60 years between us. In fact, 67 years of combined experience goes into this full-length program. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoy the full-length program. I know you'll learn a lot, and I know you'll help yourself and a lot of other people with what you learn. Love and chi. Aho. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guest, Kedrick Olson. As Paul mentioned, this podcast is the first part of a complete nine and a half hour downloadable audio program with Paul and Kedrick. You can get this program at thecheckshop.com forward slash products forward slash r dash u dash possessed or just go to thecheckshop.com and search under audio and then digital. You can follow Kedrick on Instagram at Kedrick underscore Olson or on Facebook and YouTube at Kedrick. That's spelled K-A-E-D-R-I-C-H. Follow Paul on Instagram at Paul.Check, on Twitter at PaulCheck or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living 4 d with PaulCheck. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and get your free subscription to Czech videos and more at the Czech Institute's new media site, chekiva.com. Remember, you can read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast.